are working on healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child in front of us. Today on this episode, we are growing up with Dr. Laura Forian of the Balanced Parent Podcast. And I really couldn't be more excited to have her on to share in this conversation, planning to talk a little bit about inner child work and conscious parenting. And I just find her account so incredibly inspiring. And I feel like the audience over here at Grow Up is going to really get some great stuff out of it. So just to get started, um, Dr. Forian, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, Amy, I just want to say, like, the feeling is mutual. I, you know, hearing you read, like, the mission of your podcast, I'm like, yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> so I'm so excited to be here. And it's so wonderful to connect with other parents um, who are on this journey and sharing this mission. Um, it's just really cool. So thanks for all you do. And thanks for having me. Of course. Um, yeah, okay. So let's see. I'm... Dr. Laura Froyan, you can just call me Laura, but I do okay. have my PhD in human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. And I'm just really passionate about helping parents have really healthy relationships with the people that matter most to them, um, with their kids, with their partners, and sometimes most importantly, with themselves. Oh, so that's yes. my passion. That's my mission. Yay. That's that's so in alignment with everything that kind of inspired me to start this platform. I think, um, you know, I became a parent four years ago. And for me, I always love children and everything. But once you step into that role, it's on your shoulders. And I think you just realize that so much more goes into it and how much you're learning about yourself. And then you're realizing your kids have these needs. And I know I've heard you talk about on your podcast, your different dynamics between your two children. And my son is incredibly spirited, incredibly sensitive. And it didn't take me long to realize that everything that I thought I was going to implement for my child just wasn't going to fly. I had to rewrite the script and flip it. And just, and it, a lot of that called me into action. It wasn't about changing him because we all know that's not going to happen. So it was about how do I grow up with him and meet these needs for my child? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. So much of that is so true. And I think like there's this piece of it too, especially for those of us who've loved kids and have worked with kids before coming, becoming a parent, we have this like idea, like we know what we're doing. We're going to do it all right. You know? And then we get these kids that are ours. Yep. <laughs> so beautifully invite reflection and call us to our inner work. I mean, but there it's it's different when there are I can't like when I'm, you know, see a like a spirited three year old out on the playground that's not mine, like I know all the right things to do. But when it's mine, whoo, it's a lot harder, you know? Yes. All the stuff that you're bringing into that situation and so much I mean, things that I didn't even know were sensitivities or triggers for me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I, or maybe things that I thought that I had maybe like reckoned with, like my past stuff. And I'm like, oh, I've, I've dealt with that in therapy. I'm feeling really good about that. And then you have this child that somehow like finds those like deep seated little things. And you're like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe, maybe I wasn't done with that. Maybe there's more work to do there. And it's, it's a really hard thing to look in that mirror, but also it's so rich and it's so beneficial and so hard so so hard it's so hard it's brave is what it is it's oh, yeah. brave to you know it it makes sense that when we see our kids 
reflecting the parts of ourselves that we got the idea were difficult to love. I mean, because I think that that's what it comes down to a lot of the time is that, you know, when we see our kids doing the things that got us in trouble or we see our kids kind of showing up in the world in the way that we might have liked to have shown up, um, but we got the message early on that, that that wasn't okay. If you do that, you'll lose love. It makes sense that then it's triggering for us. It makes us afraid. We have we get this intense need to protect our kids. Like they've got to know right now that that's not okay. You know, there's these parts inside of us, and there are little inner children. They don't they don't know that there's a new parent running the show, you know, they don't, they don't know that it's not our parents or it's not 20, 30 years ago, that it's, that we actually have someone who is aware, who is welcoming of all feelings, you know, that, and so, I mean, we get afraid, I think, and it's really brave to, to take a, to slow down and take a look at, what is it about that behavior or that phrase or that look, you know, like one of, one of my daughters rolls her eyes a lot. Like, what is it about that that really just gets under my skin? Huh. You know, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Just slow down. And I don't know. It's good. It's good work, but it's hard and it's brave. And so those of you who are listening, who are doing this work, just know that you are seen and held and you're doing powerful work and you don't have to get it perfect or right. And you can really call yourself brave. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And not even you, you know, you won't get it perfect and right. And I mentioned that in the last episode of the Grow Up podcast about, you know, we see these people on the internet, you know, specialists such as yourself that are just brilliant and so inspiring. And it's so nice to hear somebody on your level saying, hey, you know what? We all mess up. Like, this is hard (laughs) stuff. So I think, you know, I know for myself, I mean, I'm a total perfectionist, people pleaser, trying to break the cycle for my son. And I'm that person that always is like, if I didn't do it a hundred percent, like that's it, throw it in the garbage, you know, game over. I'm terrible. Like I'm an awful parent. Like, and I think so many people can relate to that. The feeling like, I don't even know how I'm showing up. I don't even know what I'm doing. I may have gotten it like 60% wrong and 40% right. Does that mean I'm failing? No, it just means that we're human and we're doing the work and no one's going to get it perfect. And the second you get it perfect, something changes. So just learning to how to be flexible, right? And rolling with all the lessons. Yeah. You know, I think it's something I've been wanting to talk a lot about recently, <laughs> lately, um, is this, you know, I see so many beautiful, conscious parents who are working so hard to be more respectful and loving in their interactions with their child than anything that they received. And then at the same time, running kind of parallel to all of their efforts to be more conscious, respectful, connected, loving, they are bringing all of the tactics that were used on them, shame, blame, judgment, guilt, internally. So it's like we've got these two like parallel tracks of like we're working, you guys can't see me. (laughs) Only (laughs) Amy can see. (laughs) Yeah, right. But we're it's like we're working on this one path, our external interactions, we're really focused on improving them. And it's so hard. And I think it's so hard because at the same time we're, our internal interactions aren't changing. Our, we're still using blame, shame, judgment, guilt, all of that in like that language of authoritarian parenting yes. is, is still in us. Mm-hmm. And I think the sooner we can work on that internal dialogue, the more naturally the external dialogue will flow. 
Uh, that I makes love sense. That. So, oh my gosh, yes. I'm like resonating so deeply with that. And you're right. It's like some, and I, and it's funny, I almost feel, I mean, I was, I'm a very like visual learner, I guess. So for mm-hmm. me, it's like, I picture things and I like feel things like that. And so yeah. when I'm in those moments with my son, it's very interesting. And I mentioned this before, it's almost like that, like old school devil and angel on your shoulder. And you're mm-hmm. kind of like deciding something happens. And there's this like instinct of like your, you know, your gut knee jerk reaction. And then you like have to literally in a millisecond decide like, how am I going to show up for this? Am I choosing this way or am I choosing that way? Am I going to go with that knee-jerk reaction that, like, doesn't feel like me at all? It's yucky. It's, like, authoritarian. It's, like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Or am I able to stop and slow down for a second, take a deep breath, and, and like, almost switch gears? And you're right. It's a total internal, like, light switch kind of thing. And then you you externally decide you want to show up differently. And are we able to do that all the time? Absolutely not. No. But I will say when I've had the ability in that moment to do that, when I've been self-regulated enough to do that, because that's, that's so difficult for me, I get very overwhelmed. It's so cathartic. You're like, oh my gosh, I... I just broke the cycle. I could have just done that. And instead... It's empowering. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so empowering. So exactly what you just said. I, I agree with you. It's it's interesting how you can almost... It's like almost like a double life. I'm showing my child this while I'm still trying to work on this internally. Yeah. And it's a conscious thing. I mean, I guess that can segue right into the the conscious parenting and what is conscious parenting and how can we be doing that work? Yeah. I mean, so... So conscious parenting really is about parenting with awareness, you know, not parenting out of habit or cultural norms, um, but really parenting from a place of intention and, and awareness, being awake to who you are and to who your child is and to the truth of the matter. Um, But it's interesting, you know, I think that we part part of it a huge part of it like a crucial piece is our how we talk to ourselves mm-hmm. you know the and that's that's influences the default kind of the thing you know the default thing you would say like um stop that right now is the one that I heard all the time growing up stop yeah. that right now you know that was right. and that's the thing that is most likely to come out of my mouth or what is wrong with you was an, another one that is most likely, you know, to want to come out of my mouth. But the thing is, is that when I'm struggling the most in my parenting, what am I saying to myself inside? I'm usually after I've, you know, so you were just talking about, yes, it's wonderful if in the moment we can have that pause and stop ourselves mm. and really be consciously and intentionally choosing our responses. Yes, of course, yes. that's the goal. But a key piece is the recognizing that we won't always be able to do that and reflecting back. And so like when I've made a mistake, when I've, you know, had a moment of unconsciousness with my kids afterwards, the way I show up for myself is so important. If I go into that kind of reflection phase of like, oof, that didn't go the way I was hoping it would, oof, it could have gone better. If I go into that from a place of like, Laura, what is wrong with you? Stop doing that. Stop doing that right now to your kids. If I go in from that place, like it doesn't invite growth. It doesn't invite safety or learning. We know this about humans. We know this about our little ones that they need in order to learn and do better. They need to feel safe and loved. Like that's just like 
humans and it's true for us too. And so it's far better for me to come in from with curiosity and self-compassion of, huh, okay, so that didn't go so well. What was going on for me right then? What, what was, what got in the way of me showing up in the way that I really want to? What is it about that thing that really gets under my skin? How can I be kind to myself right now? You know, poof, Laura, man, you're human. This was one of those human moments, you know? Like just coming in with compassion and kindness, just, you know, just like we would with our kids when they make a mistake. You know, I don't I know, like, that. is that making sense? I don't, yes, you know. Yes, I, no, I feel like, like you said, that that um, phrase of what's wrong with you, yeah. right? When you said that, my instant was like, oh my God, that's so shameful, right? And mm-hmm. and, I, and have I been in that? Yes. Have I maybe even said that? I mean, even if I didn't say it to my son, I absolutely thought it. Oh my God, I, I can't tell you because again, of his personality is so different than what I thought would have yeah. been in my, in my, you know, fantasy mommy brain. Um, <laughs> so there's so many times that I'm like, why do I have this kid? Like, why is he like this? Like, geez, can you just, like my husband and I always say, well, he has no chill. We're like, can you just chill? Like, can you just like, does everything have to be a thing? Like, why does everything have to be a thing? So those are things that if I were to say that, but even those thoughts are so shameful. And if I were to flip that on myself and say to myself, what is wrong with me? You're perpetuating a shame cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't let yourself out of that cycle. You're just going to keep circling back. Oh, I made him feel shameful. Now I'm shaming myself. And then I'm going to shame him again next time. And you don't break out of it. So in order to be a cycle breaker, like you said, I think being able to offer yourself the exact same type of compassion that you could have offered your child or wished you would have offered your child in that moment. Mm-hmm. And again, how cathartic and healing that can be. And like you said, the curiosity of questioning, right? Going like, what was up with that? Why was I feeling yeah. that way? What did that bring up? How did that make me feel? What in my past did that feel like? You know, I mean, I think that goes to inner child work, right? Going, where did that come from? Yeah. Why does that bother me so much? You know? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people think that, oh, like, I can't do inner child work or reparenting work because yes. I don't remember or my how. childhood. Or, how. Or, or, or they think, like, oh, that's not for me because I don't, I don't have any memories of my mm. childhood. And I, I think a lot of reparenting has much less to do with the past and much more to do with how we show up with ourselves in the present. So, you know, when I think of reparenting, it is not about, I mean, sometimes it's about like, you know, like I definitely have moments where I'm like, oh, there you are, little Laura. Come, come here. I know you're hurting. Come close. So yes, I see you. I love you. You're not, don't worry, my dear. You are not too much. I know people tell you you're too sensitive and you're not, you know, there's moments of that, you know, but a lot of reparenting is, is essentially just self-regulation, you know, like it's really just our self-talk in the moment of like, who, yep, that was a mistake. And and now like, how can I interact with myself in a risk, the way a respectful parent would. And so like, one of the questions I ask myself is what is, what would the kindest, wisest parent say to me right now? What, or what would the kindest, wisest part of myself say to me right now? And usually I can say things that are quite a bit nicer than, 
you know, what my inner critic has to say. And that's what reparenting is. So reparenting I, for me is very in the moment. I think lots of people think that it's about going back in the past and reparenting sure. yourself and that you have to have specific memories of things that happened. I happen to have a lot of memories of my childhood. Like I have a very good memory, but lots of people, especially people who had really bad childhoods, your, oh, yeah. Our brains are really good at protecting us. We, they don't, our brain doesn't want us to remember those things with good reason because they were hard and hurtful. And so I don't, you don't have, I don't think you have, I don't know how you feel about this, Amy, but I don't think you have to go into the bat, you know, the past and dredge things up. I think reparenting really happens in the moment. It's how you show yeah. up with yourself and, and parent yourself in your day-to-day life. Sure. I think, yeah, for, yeah I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, it's kind of like in therapy in a way. I mean, sometimes there's benefit to going back and rehashing some of that stuff just because it kind of helps you. I, I, like, again, I'm visual. I picture like opening a closet that's like all tangled with a big mess. And it's like finding a box to maybe put it in that's like, okay, this is how, let's make sense of this. Where does this kind of go in my psyche? But the thing is that that part of your psyche is already with you today. So I don't think you have to go back and relearn it or re-go through it to know it. I think sometimes it might help to understand it. Like I'm very much, mm-hmm. um, like I love like self-help and like psychology and that stuff. So for me, I kind of like to go like, oh, you know, what part of me was that from? Or where did I maybe start learning that? Or what were the words? Oh, me too. You know, like I love, yeah. like personally, as just on a personal level, I love it. But I don't think it's not crucial or necessary at all. I think you're coming to the table in this present moment with whatever life threw at you and however you had to make sense to survive. That's what you're bringing to the table. So the, the reparenting aspect can just be, like you said, checking in with yourself. Okay, you know, what did that, what did that drudge up in me? How do I feel right now? How can I show up differently next time? What does, what is that little child inside of me need right now to be better or to grow? So I'm with you. I think that's a really good point. And I also think, so I had some trauma, like, um, I mean, little t trauma for sure, but I think bigger T trauma in my teenage years. I have a brother that was very sick and died when I was like 15. Mm. We talked about this on the podcast before. So I'm sure people who've been with me know the story. So there's a lot from that time period that I'm with you. Like, I don't remember because I think a lot of it, I'm a middle child. I was um, like kind of a peacemaker and kind of like played small a little bit to keep it easy for my parents who were clearly going through hell Um, And rightfully so, the worst kind of pain that I could even imagine, especially now being a parent. But so there's that. And you're right. There's a lot of it that I'm like, I don't have memories. Like, who was I? How did I get through? You know, but how about the people that, you know, feel like they have growing to do or reparenting to do, but have kind of like a happy, because I I have very loving parents who definitely had shortcomings, as we all do. And I try to do the best by my son. And I'm sure one day he'll be talking about me on the podcast, right? I mean, like, it's going to happen. We all try to do our best. So, like, can we make sense of that maybe for people that are going, I feel like I have stuff to work on, but I'm almost feeling a little bit guilty because my parents were so loving. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think there's kind of a paradox there. Yeah, you know, my parents were incredible incredibly loving. I had wonderful parents. I could have wonderful parents. Um, So no, having wonderful parents who loved you dearly does not preclude you from having work to do. (laughs) You know, and I mean, so there were definitely things, you know, all parents have 
of triggers. All parents make mistakes. That's true for us, you know, as we are parenting currently. It's true for our parents in in the past. Um, and regardless of a parent's intention, stuff lands differently on different kids, you know? So yes. there can be things that, like, you know, I like there are things that my dad did that were with the best of intentions, only desire to help me and for for my better good. And they landed on me like criticism, like he didn't think I was good enough. Like, and that was, that was, you know, I mean, sure. Like, could he have delivered things differently? Yeah. Could he have like, maybe not told me what to do all all the time? Yeah. You know, could he like, there's the, yeah, but part of it was me too. Part of it, you know, we, was my work to do as well, you know, and I see it happen with my daughter and there's times where like I repeat that pattern because that's what a loving parent does is tell their kid what to do because that's what I grew up with, you know, like that's the kind of, that's the unconsciousness, you know, that's the unconscious narrative. And so then I get into things like, ooh, she's sewing a project, like, ooh, honey, you might want to put a stitch there, you know, and that's, you know, just the, in, you know, the conditioning and then really having to grapple with, okay, wait, she did not ask for my help. I can be self-regulated and I can sit back because I know for her, she's very like me, that when I tell her like, ooh, a stitch there might be good, what she and how she interprets that is my mom doesn't think I'm competent. She thinks I'm not a good sewer or she thinks I don't know anything. I was planning to go back and put that stitch in anyway. And now when I do it, she'll think I did it just because she told me to. Like all of those thought things. Right, I know, right? But I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, that, like, my intention with the stitch is just to be like, I, I don't want the kitty, the stuffed kitty that you're making to fall apart, you know? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to help. I'm yeah. just trying to help. But she's got her own narrative going on. And in that moment, my job is to just sit back, zip my lips, you know? Remember, like, one of my favorite quotes is that the best teachers have teeth marks on their tongues you know from biting their tongues I love it yeah right and so I mean then and then later some other time I can clarify you know honey when we were working on sewing your your kitty her the kitty's name is sparkle it's a beautiful little sew kitty that she made um when we were talking about your kitty and I I mentioned that stitch you know I I think you maybe got the idea that I I thought you didn't know or that I was kind of criticizing you and I am so sorry for that you know just clarify for her and then she can say yeah I did feel like you thought I was you know that I didn't know what I was doing and I was like I know honey I I'm really sorry about that that's not what I meant but I can see why why you would have taken it that way and I'll do my best to just kind of sit back and if you need help you I know you'll come to me and that's it and just clarify that's a conversation that literally my dad and I just had like last year (laughs) it took it you know it took him 37 years to have that conversation with me and I had to be the one to do it you know and so it's you know kids are their own people they Yes, <laughs> they, it will. Our best of intentions, the things that we do with the very best of intentions, can land differently, and they can land one way on one kid and a different way on a different kid. And and so and that's part of conscious parenting too, is being aware of, like, accepting our differences and letting go of this idea that we can control the way our kids take what we say. 
You know, do yeah. you, I feel like I haven't talked about this out loud to anybody before, really. So I'm kind of spitballing out loud yeah, right I love now. It. Yeah, okay. I mean, it couldn't it could resonate more with me because I think I'm with you. I think that um, certain things with my parents as wonderful and loving. And there was, I can truly say that there was never something my parents ever did with male intention. I mean, I'm very lucky in that way to have parents that really loved and and supported us, but you're right. We were three different children. And I think it's interesting. I'm almost 35. My sister's 30. How old is she? 31. Doesn't matter. Anyway, we have almost a completely different take sometimes on the same situation Mm -hmm. because we could not be more different. We found the beauty in that now, but growing up, I mean, we were literally night and day. And even now, a lot of the things are night and day, but we find the beauty in that. But back then it was like, I I mean, I wanted nothing to do with her. I was the older sister. I'm like, get out of here. No, thanks. And now (laughs) I realize that like, that's exactly it. It can land differently. And I think coming from a parenting perspective, now I realize, especially having a child that's pretty much flipped my world upside down because it's so different that, you know, it's like I pictured, you know, doing all these things and the kind of relationship we would have. And then all of a sudden the the kid's like, no, pretty much, you know, showing me in any way he can. And and here's the thing. He's, oh, I would not change a thing about him, even the challenging stuff, because he's going to change the world. He's a brilliant creative, amazing, challenging, you know, vibrant firework of a human being. And and I don't want to diminish that at all, but there's so much there that you realize like parenting is showing up. It's being conscious enough to recognize the needs of your specific child Mm -hmm. and and what that brings up in you and how you have to rise to that occasion. Like they set the bar. And I mean, I don't know. when, When you were saying that, I just couldn't resonate with that more because not only was I the child that sometimes... And a lot of times, even even now, doesn't feel seen and heard properly by by my parents or the way that I wish I was. Not by a fault of theirs, but just by, you know, the way the chips fall, who I am and who they are as people. And then also having the child that I'm trying so desperately to see and hear for himself. Because I know what it feels like to, to have a parent that maybe missed the little nuances of my personality, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you're saying something too, that's really important. Um, so many of us go into adulthood thinking like, you know, we go, we find our partner and we think, oh, finally, I'm going to get, finally get my needs met. All of those needs that, um, you know, I always, you know, didn't get from my parents, just those little nuances that where they just kind of miss the mark. Um, and we, we put pressure on our partners, um, or we think like, because I didn't get it this way, then our ki- my kids will need it this way. So I'm going to be the parent to my child that I always wanted, you know, that I needed, you know, be the parent that you are, that you needed. And it could not be further from what we need to be doing. We need to be the parent that our kids needed and we need to be the parent that we needed to ourselves. Like that's yes. really coming to understand that like we're the ones that we've been waiting for all this time. I love that line in Frozen 2. Have you seen that movie? Maybe I haven't have- seen Frozen too oh yet. I've, I've been trying every day, like to my son, like, do you want to watch Frozen? And he's like, not really, okay, mom. Okay, like, so it. you do not need to wait for your child to watch <laughs> yeah, some right. of these I've movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's this one song um, in it where, um, you know, she says, like, I think it's Elsa says, um, like, or Elsa's mom, like, is singing in it. And she says, you are the one you've been waiting for. Like, that's, I mean, that's the truth. Like, we don't need... And that's not like giving up, like, you know, like 
you know, gosh, I'm never going to get my needs met by anyone else. So I may as well meet them myself. It's like this empowering, like, oh yeah, you know, I can cumber myself. I can validate my own feelings. I can understand myself more deeply. I can feel seen and heard right here within myself. And when I'm doing that well, that lets me hold myself aside so that I can see my child and their needs clearly. Because so if we're not taking good care of ourselves, if we're not doing that in our work, our vision of our children is clouded by our own unmet needs, right? And so part of this is really meeting our needs so that we can see our kids and their needs very, very clearly. Yes, because then they become separate, right? There's space there. They're separate. Not like, it's We're not, not projecting. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes, you're not like, well, I'm feeling needy, so I need you to need me. Where if I'm feeling <laughs> full, then I can see them for themselves fully, and I don't need them to be something to make me a certain way. Yeah. So it's like almost like, you know, it's like two trees growing next to each other. You know, it's like just everyone's on their own trajectory. And I love that. I think that's so important. And I also think the idea that these people that you invite into your life with your partner, when you have babies and who they become, you know, autonomously, who they really are in and of themselves, it's like, that's the invitation, right? It's like you, they're they're there not to fulfill a part of you that's missing, but almost to hold up a mirror for you to see where the work needs to be done on yourself. And then you become this fuller version and more capable version of yourself to meet everyone's everything because you're filling those voids in yourself and you're patching those little cracks and you're, you're growing, you know, and nurturing yourself first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you know, when I was a kid, there was nothing I wanted more when I was upset than like, and I like stomped off to my room than to have like my parent follow me and and come. uh, That's what I wanted. And it never happened. And I, when I talk about my parents, about it with my parents, they're like, you just needed space. We were giving you your space. They were really doing what they thought was the right thing to do, what they what I needed and now as <laughs> as a, a parent when my daughter stomps off to her room it's, it takes everything within me to not go following and like racing after her mm. and because that's not what she wants she's told me when I go to my room I need some space I will come and get you when I like need connection from you when I'm ready you know that's what she's gonna like snap off because I'm like nodding so like yes I was like yes yes, yes, (laughs) you know but it's and that's the thing like that's part of this being aware of you know she does she has different needs and maybe that's because of who she is but maybe it's because she is secure in the knowledge that when she's ready for support and comfort from me she's got it like she doesn't have to she doesn't have to like test my love by stomping to her room to see if I'll follow she knows I she knows I'm right there you know she's secure in it and so the our kids have different parents I think that that's something that's really important our kids have different parents (laughs) I had so many thoughts circulating as you're telling me this and it was like I mean literally just like light bulbs left and right and I'm sure the listeners will be like oh my god same um but that was one thing that I actually worked on with my therapist and what you just said it's like we're parenting them thinking they're going to need what we needed in that moment, but we were raised differently. So 
we're raising them with a new set of tools. So maybe they don't need that. There's not a void there that maybe we had a void. First of all, we're different. We're different people. So they have different needs just because we're different people. But secondly, like they're marinating in a completely different parent-child relationship than what we were marinating in. So you're right. Like they don't maybe need that. And my son's the same way. It's like, I constantly, you know, because he seems like he wants space and I'm with you as much as I was like kind of this like independent, closed off kid. I I just kind of wanted someone maybe to knock on the door and be like, hey, I know you're upset, like, you know, whatever. And you're right. No one really did that for me. And I look back and I'm like, I mean, I wasn't giving those vibes. I was pretty good about putting up a wall there. But and I'm still like this in my romantic relationship with my husband, like, but but he's the best at almost like cracking the door and saying like, not physically, but you know, like, you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. almost like, hey, I know something's up here and I know that you're not ready yet because you have to be ready because I know that about you. But I want you to know that I know that you're that. <laughs> and when you're ready, I'm here for you. And so like, I try so hard to do that for my son. And he, a lot of times wants space. And you're right. I catch myself like biting my tongue, just like, he says he wants space, like, but I'm so worried he's going to feel abandoned or so worried mm-hmm. he's going to secretly be wishing I chased him. And I know he's that sensitive kid. And sometimes those direct, um, you know, displays of me being there, it's too much for him. Like he, mm. it's like, you almost have to like slip a note under the door and be like, that's what hey, I do. <laughs> smiley face, like, love you. Like the type thing. Cause yeah, yeah I love, and I love that. Cause as a kid, that note under the door would have been the perfect little like white flag of like surrender. Like mm-hmm. I didn't chase you. I'm not going to confront you because I know that's going to corner you and you don't like to be cornered, but I'm letting you know that I see you and you're upset and I'm still here for you. And I still love you no matter what you're going through. And that would have been huge. And so that's something that I have to work on in myself and say to myself when I'm going through these things. And it's so God, I mean, when you're talking about that, it was just like light bulb, light bulb, light bulb, because it's, I get it. It's so, so yeah. real. And, you know, it's, Amy, it seems like you and I had very similar experiences growing yes. up, and we have similar <laughs> struggles right now. But the, like, the reality is, is that everybody listening will have different things, Correct. you know, and really what it comes down to is slowing down checking in with yourself what did you know what is coming up for me what is feeling familiar about this and what is reality what is it that I want to truly communicate to my child what is it that they need and oftentimes like we try to guess and be all knowing as parents when in reality it's our kids who know what they need more than anyone else better than anyone else we don't think to ask them you know to I I love that can you like give an example I think of like a tangible thing just to like end with, like maybe a way to bring that up or how that sounds. Like say, I feel that. I'm like, that's so true. Why do we act like we know everything? Could we just ask? So is there a way that you can connect that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the like just asking, hey, buddy, I've been noticing that getting shoes on in the morning has been really hard for us. What's up? with that. Mm. Hey, kiddo, I've been noticing that saying goodnight at bedtime and staying in your bed after I tuck you in has been really hard. Is there anything that would make it easier for you to stay in your bed at night? Hey, kiddo, I noticed, you know, yesterday when, remember when we got really upset with each other and you were really frustrated and you stomped to your room and I followed afterwards and I opened your door and you really did not like that. And so now I'm kind of wondering, like, 
I'm not sure I know what to do when you're really Mm -hmm. upset. What would be helpful when you're really upset? Do you want me? I could sit outside your door and not say anything. I could slip a note underneath the door. I could lay in my bed but not say anything. And when you're ready, you could come and crawl into bed and have a snuggle. What is it that would help you? You know, so, I mean, just getting curious with them. You know, and just, like... So, I mean, and every kid is different and it changes over time. Yes, that's so important to realize that your kid isn't the same kid year after year, situation after situation, and being able to just kind of check in. And I think that's so important. And and it teaches so much. That teaches, like, that feeling of being seen and heard and understood by your Mm. parent, unconditional love, um, even just... um, I don't know. It it shows respect for everyone's needs. It shows how to get your needs met. It shows healthy communication. I mean, you're teaching so much in that little bit. And, and I think it's so important because I know for a lot of people, especially in our generation, you know, we're in our thirties and it's, I'm assuming, because you said 37 years. So I'm assuming. Um, So we're in our thirties and it's like a lot of our parents, you know, want to, they were so, um, it was a top down model. It was like, Mm -hmm. I know everything. I'm the boss. You don't know anything. I'm telling you what to do. And I think it's so interesting to kind of realize as an adult that like, I don't have all the answers. I know that. Why am I pretending to? Why can't I just Mm -hmm. include my child in? This is a relationship and a relationship should be two ways, right? And why can I, yes, why can I include him and ask him what he needs? Hey, what do you need right now? And, And then in turn, you could say to your kids sometimes, hey, you know what? I need a little bit of space or I need a little bit of quiet. I'm going to go into the other room for a minute. I'll be right back. I mean, there's a way to make it a collaborative thing. And I think that's so important. Yeah, it's it's so important. I think that teaching kids collaborative problem solving, you know, ultimately when you're out of the little kid phase, when you're, at, you know, moving into five, six, seven and up until the teens, respectful parenting and conscious parenting really is about like collaborative problem solving that's really what it is it's not because it moves from you know like when they're three and running into the street like I'm gonna stop your body you know it moves from being much more hands-on and you know into this realm of collaborative problem solving I think it's the most important skill that parents can develop Um, and and like you just mentioned it teaches so many good skills to to our kids you know so my 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 daughter is almost nine now and she's we've been doing like really intentionally teaching problem solving and doing problem solving with her since she was four and now when there's a problem at school like the kids go to her like we can't decide what to play and so and so is taking all of the you know whatever's um Ellie come help us you know like and and so she because she has the skills of like Mm. okay what is it that's important to you what is it that's important to you let's figure out a way so that both people's needs are met she knows how to do that And you're right. It's a skill. It's not something that your kids are going to just come to magically one night by like osmosis. I mean, this is something that you have to model for them and teach them and show them, you know? I mean, let's be frank. Like most grownups don't have the skill. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like there's people (laughs) who make lots of money teaching corporations and, you know, Mm -hmm. how to have this skill, you know, like most grownups don't have it. So how can we expect kids to suddenly just have it just because they're seven and they've got siblings and friends like no it's they it takes a long time and the ability to take on someone else's perspective and see 
someone else's point of view, I mean, that is a developmental cognitive skill that doesn't develop until around eight. So yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, scientifically. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, so I mean, it definitely, like, it takes time and practice and but it's really worth it. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So in closing, if you could leave us with some, I'm, I'm just picturing, like, I mean, you're so wise and you've, obviously your children are a little bit older and um, you just, I feel like you have so much experience under your belt. If there's something you could say to people starting off on this journey, just to kind of, you know, give them some forward thinking or something you wish you could have known, or maybe a piece of advice you heard that really kind of put it into perspective. Is there one thing you can like hone in on? Oh my gosh. I know it's a, that's a heavy one. <laughs> um, like slow down yeah. and be kind and curious. Like, I mean, that's it. Just, I mean, like really that there is no formula. There is no, you know, I very rarely give like scripts and say this is not that. Sure. It's because it's different for every parent-child combination. So really just slow down and be kind and curious with yourself and with your kids. I mean, those are the things like the, yeah, slow, <laughs> go slower. <laughs> no, lots yeah. of kids get need a lot. You know, we just need more time I to, love that. to do things. But yeah, yeah, slow down and be kind. And the, and the curious <laughs> aspect I think is so important mm-hmm. just to reflect on for yourself. And also, like you said, just open that conversation with your kid and get curious with them about how to problem solve who you are as people, what you both need. I just think that's brilliant. Oh, it's been so great talking yeah. to you. I feel like, thank God I have, you know, something like I, I have an appointment to run off to because otherwise I would just sit here for as long as you would let me and just pick your brain and <laughs> Because I just, yeah, it's so great. So thank you. No, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. How can people find you? Yeah, so I hang out a lot on Instagram these days. Um, my podcast is called The Balanced Parent. Um, and <laughs> Oh, yeah, thank you so much. I mean, and those are like, those are the places where I am. I have, I have lots of great, you know, free workbooks um, that help you do some of this inner work and thinking about some of this stuff. I have a free self-compassion meditation. So all of that stuff is on my website at laurafroyan.com. Um, but I mean, it's, you don't have to do this alone, right? We've got, we've got Amy, we've got all these wonderful communities. Um, we're not, we're in this together. Yes. I know. Thank God for, yeah. Right. I mean, God, Instagram community, there's so many brilliant people doing this work and just so inspiring. And, you know, it's just been so great. So thank you for sharing with us and thanks for spending this time. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Thank you again to the amazing Dr. Laura Froyan of the Balanced Parent Podcast. If you haven't checked that out yet, you definitely should do that. It's a great podcast. If you want to check her out on Instagram, you can give her a follow over at Laura Froyan PhD. If you need to reach out to me in the meantime, you can always catch me on Instagram at grow.up.ig or through email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. Keep doing the work, keep growing up, and I'll talk to you next time.